Welcome Cat Fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Ryan Gasser. On today's episode, we'll open with our AD update with Dixie Jeffers as she takes us through some hot topics surrounding Cap Athletics. Then we'll catch up with head men's lacrosse coach Dom Marzano to see how fall ball is going for the boys and his chaotic life with his boys at home. Lastly, we will welcome from the class of 2009, Lizzie Stanton Finnegan, who set fire to the track during her All-American career and her new career that deals in extinguishing flames for the Columbus Fire Department. With that, let's gear up for Season 2, Episode 4 of the Forward Capital Crusaders Podcast. All right, Cap fam, we're going to kick off another episode of Forward Capital Crusaders the way that we always do. It's time for our AD update, and with us to provide that is our interim director of athletics and recreation, Dixie Jeffers. Coach Jeffers, uh, you know, the big news, at least in Ohio right now, is if you look at the spiking numbers that are related around the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, they're, they're going up. Um, and it's not just here in Franklin County, it's all over the state, all over the country, and heck, it's starting to surge all over the world as well. So just talk about, like, with this spike, what is the viewpoint of athletics as far as trying to get through flu season and maybe finally get some snow or something to kill it off? I don't know, but there has to be something at the other end of this. So what's the message? Well, I, I think we'd all hope that cold weather would uh, kill it and the snow would help us, but we don't know enough about the virus in that regard yet. Um, as of today, Pfizer has a vaccine. It's 90% proven that it's effective. So they are moving forward to try to get it emergency approved. We'll see how that goes. We've always said that um, until we get a vaccine, we're gonna have to live with this. It's very much a concern. Um, we are on the uptick here on campus, but our medical team and our COVID response team on campus has done an incredible job. Um, our personal medical team here in the athletic department has been really on top of it and just worked diligently with the tracing and trying to quarantine kids down or isolate kids down as soon as we find out if they're positive. It has uh, been challenging. It continues to be challenging. And uh, if the snow makes it go away, wow, let it snow today. <laughs> I'm always anti-snow, but if that's what it takes, I'm all for it as well. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about how... Um, Athletics has its own unique challenges and that exposure is, you know, it, it can happen at a greater, um, greater rate just because of athletics being what it is. So uh, what are some of the things, especially now that we're getting into winter season and basketball's picking up that, you know, we continue to try to do to keep coaches and student athletes safe? You know, it's really tough because when we go down in our so-called practices, because we can't even do five on five yet because of the uptick and so forth and under doctor's advice and so forth, which I totally agree with. But it's been so strange because we're trying to get as creative as we can, but boy, is it frustrating. It's frustrating to the kids, it's frustrating to us, but this may be as good as it gets this semester. And it just, there are no answers right now other than we're trying to get our kids better as ball handlers, trying to get our kids footwork better, trying to get better as shooters, trying to get better as defensive players, just individual skill work that we're trying to do and at the same time what can you do when you have not whole groups how long can you keep them so it's a constant battle and working on conditioning and trying to keep these kids and then look at their mental fatigue to make sure that we're okay mental health wise and so forth and there's just a lot to take in and I'm very very appreciative of our student athletes right now and, and how they really have handled this overall. One of the big things that has come out over the last week or two on campus, they've made the announcement that after Thanksgiving break, students are encouraged to stay at home just to prevent the spread from coming back to campus or even taking it elsewhere. What, what was your reaction to it? Is this a, a wise move? Is this going to help in the long run? What do you think? Well, I have total confidence in our administration. And when I, I, I took this seat back in June, uh, one of the conversations I have with with Dave Kaufman, our president, was I'll do anything as long as safety comes first. If, you know, I don't want to be able to look at a parent and say we didn't take care of your kid as much as we could. And we've done that. We've all been collaborating and safety is first and foremost with us. They are going to leave the dorms open if kids want to return. So it's going to be an individual decision. Men and women's basketball, um, 
by vote of the kids, want to come back. And so we will return after uh, Thanksgiving break and we'll continue to practice until our semester's ends. So this will not pause athletic activity as far as, you know, giving them the option to go back home. It, if we choose, if students choose, they can come back and continue to train. Yeah, most of the teams are going to go down um, because they've had the whole semester to train and, and so forth. So a lot of them are done before Thanksgiving but the weight room will still be open. Things will still be open to the kids to be able to use um, with the protocol in place. Now we talk a lot about basketball and every week or every other weeks uh, with every podcast, we ask for an update. So here is the record coming back around, Coach. What's the latest that you have from the NCAA as it resorts to uh, basketball and winter sports? Well, I'm really optimistic. I'm more optimistic than what I have been the last few weeks, to be honest with you, about us having a season of some type of a season. Uh, we, we seem to be moving towards more of a definitive situation, a definitive schedule. So we have submitted our schedule to the presidents as a conference to be approved um, from the ADs and so forth. And then the NCAA has just turned around and it looks like there's better changes coming for us because the biggest thing for us has been uh, the testing and how we look at this and can we afford it, da 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 And things are getting better that it looks like we can test one time a week and maybe we could play one week, weekday game and then play another game on the weekend. And there's still a lot of logistics to work out yet, but I'm far, far more optimistic than I was. That's fantastic to hear. We're talking with Director of Athletics and Head Women's Basketball Coach Dixie Jeffers. And Coach, some other news that has come out of the pipeline here is that uh, football will be going in a new direction. And so we wanted to give you the opportunity just to speak on that from your chair and what the vision is moving forward. Well, the university is very, very committed to move forward with a wide open national search. I have met with several football um, players on campus and have heard their thoughts and so forth. And I think we have a pretty good handle on the direction that we want to go as far as what we're looking for and, and what the pool's going to you know, look like. I can tell you that the next coach coming into Capital University is going to be set up for success. The university is very committed to this football program. We're committed to our student athletes in all phases and any sport. but. One of my mottos is I wanted to go into the pandemic the way it was, but I also wanted to come out better on the other side. And I think that that's what we're going to do. And whether it's football, whether it's you know basketball, what sport it is, we want to continue to get better. And we know that we need to get competitive in football, and that's our desire. So naturally, I would probably be speaking for a lot of people if I asked the following question, what's the timeline? I'm sure everybody wants to know when they can expect to hear an announcement of any sort. So can you give us any sort of a timeline? Well, there's not going to be a, a definitive timeline. We are openly um, trying to post this week, trying to put the committee together, uh, which involves a lot of work to, to get a lot of diversity within the committee and so forth. So we're going to have some alumni, we're going to have faculty, we're going to have people within the department, and then the football student athletes are going to have a part in this of, of who they want and so forth and a say. So there's a lot of moving parts right now, but I can tell you this search will remain open until we find who we're looking for. And as far as who you believe you're looking for, do you have a vision of what the desirables are or just things that you're looking to target for that you're willing to share? Well, we want a person of high integrity. We want a person that uh, has relentless work habits. We want a person that can relate to the student athletes and put their needs first and foremost. And we want a great communicator. I think that's what everybody wants in any kind of coach. And I think that, uh, from the indications of how my emails are blowing up right now, my phone's been blowing up, there's a lot of, lot of interest right now, which makes us excited. But there is, this is a wide open search with no one person in mind and we're gonna be able to vet this and to see where this goes and that's what you have committees for. Coach, I think it only appropriate to close this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders and our AD update with almost a renewal of vows. It sounds really weird to say, but you know, given what's happening around the country in the state of Ohio with COVID and just, I think it's important to bring everybody back to what we started the semester with and that's retaking the pledge. Um, 
can we talk about the things that are involved in the pledge, how we can do these things and hopefully maybe go, get those numbers go back down? Well, for whatever reason, uh, we have gotten lax. It's kind of our nature as human beings. And I don't care if you live in the United States or you live in Europe where you're at, it's, it's our nature. We're not made to be caged up, so to speak. And we've never seen anything like this. And I think there's been Halloween parties, there's been weddings, there's been so many things. And you look at the election where everybody's been out and about and the, the rallies and so forth, is that we've got a tremendous spike. And we are spiking on campus. Um, we knew that we were gonna have some positive tests. We need to go back to the social distancing to understand that the masks are important to us, to understand washing the hands, to understanding 10 or less within a, a confined area. We just need to stop, pause, and yes, retake the pledge, so to speak. So to retake that pledge, go to athletics.capital.edu slash pledge and simply write in your name and your affiliation with us and affirm that you are doing the things that the CDC and others are asking for us to do in order to stop the pledge. And so, Coach, I know that you'll be at the top of that list. I expect an email notification really soon with your renewal of the vow, and we hope to get some more positive updates for you uh, from you on uh, the next AD update. I appreciate it. All right, we're talking with Interim Director of Athletics and Recreation, Coach Dixie Jeffers, as we move forward on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. All right, Cat Fam, we are moving on into our Coach's Corner where we are going to be exploring one of the many programs here on Capitals Campus with the head coach of said program. And today we go with Men's Lacrosse. We're bringing back for a second time Mr. Dom Marzana, the head coach of Capital Men's Lacrosse. Coach, thanks for joining us. And it's been a pretty wild fall for a lot of different reasons, but some normalcy is coming back. Your boys have been in fall ball for the better part of about a month now. So tell us how fall ball's going. I mean, yeah, great. Great. So, I mean, we've been three days a week since September 28th, and, you know, right when we got back to the seven-day quarantine, got to get on the field with each other in small pods, and so it's been really cool. I mean, one of the things in fall when with the phase one with the 10 and under groups, it's been really cool. It's something as a coach I've never really had to schedule. It's always been, you know, 15 days of fall practice, and then your whole team's there. We do it in the mornings. Now it's kind of, we were working in 10-man pods, so we had to we grouped them up by dorms or where I thought they hung out with off campus to stay COVID friendly. So we could probably try to manage it a little bit better. So you work in these pods for two weeks. And one of the benefits I saw is that I really got to see them work individually. So I got to see, I had a better view on all my freshmen cause I, they were in their own pod. Um, and then we had a mixed pod with other freshmen and young guys. So I literally got to see and work with individual groups. Now I was on the turf from 8 AM or, or the grass from 8 AM till 6 PM running four or five practices, but like it's never, I, as a coach, I've never had the opportunity or schedule and had to, to where I got to see that, them work that closely and really, so I think I have a better assessment of my players and their skill set, the young guys that I never had. So I do think one thing coming out of this, I, do, I like that. I like the small groups. Like I wish we could play contact and I wish we could hit, hit each other a little bit and play some one-on-ones and two-on-twos. But for the most part, we've been doing a pretty good job of getting to see them individually. And it's been really cool. And then, and then to be in phase two, it's been great. Finally having the whole team together for the last four weeks. It's been awesome to see them, you know, and the guys are doing it the best they can. They go to the workouts, they go to lifting, and then they come to practice and they work hard. And not much change as far as it's three days a week, coaches are masked up and that we don't play contact. But other than that, we're doing all the cam and our guys are, are, are nailing it. And I'm, I'm just happy so far with the way they're handling in the fall. Well, I know that you mentioned that, you know, when you were breaking down into smaller pods earlier in the process, that's got to be pretty challenging because I know that in a normal year, you'd want people to meet people and work with people that they normally wouldn't work with, freshmen, seniors, all the like. So when you break these people down, how do you you know, get them together in order to manifest all of the team building activities that you would normally want to have. Yeah. So it's, it's been, you know, part of our, our team culture is being together as, as most teams. And it was unique, not even on the field. Yeah. You can handle that a little bit. They just, we knew for the two weeks of phase one, they just weren't going to be able to see each other really play all that much. So what we tried to do in the early pods was, so we would switch them around a little bit so we could have up to four pods on a field 
as long as they stayed on their side. So we would do two pod workouts <clears throat> in week two of phase one. And what we did with that was basically like the, the timing worked out to where like I could have group one, which is like upperclassmen and group five, which was like younger guys. They were on the field together. So they're doing the same drills on their own respective halves. So they started, we started inching that together after the first week. We were like, they're not together. So I think part of that was kind of cool in the field that they could like look over and like, hey, that freshman's got game. Well, there's some of the upperclassmen. Like, so they got to kind of see each other in phase one on the other halves of the fields. So that was really cool for us to like merge them together. In phase two, we all got together, which is great. Now, now part of the dynamic right now, not being able to hang out with each other has been tough. And they're still trying to find out a good way to be together, whether it is, you know, in the small groups, listen, like, you know, you have your pod in the workout and stuff too. They're still friends. They go to like the cafeteria together. It's not like you avoid them and stay in your pod when you're, when you're in the cafeteria. I mean, they're safe about it. We've been, we've been fortunate they have been. So they're just trying to find unique ways to actually get together, hang out. I know one thing we're doing right now as coaches is we dialed out fall ball. We're going to do a trivia night for our team on Zoom with like breakout sessions and stuff. Uh, getting to know you stuff. We're they they want to compete, so we're gonna make them compete with some trivia <laughs> right around Thanksgiving. So we're trying to find little stuff like that virtually that we can help as coaches and can stay connected over the winter. But as far as like the setting is now, you know, we used to go to like games together. We used to go to soccer games and volleyball games. You've seen them. They would get kicked out of soccer games and then they would <laughs> cheer their faces off for volleyball games. And it was kind of like, well, we don't have that opportunity right now. So our guys are really doing the best they can off campus and on Sheridan, like meet the freshmen, like some of the guys in houses, they'll have like four or five freshmen over just to say hello. So it's been really great going in. So I didn't know that was happening. That was like a, a captain's thing. That was a upperclassman thing. They want to know the freshmen. So when phase two hit, I was like, how do these guys know each other? Like what's going on? They're like, we've been working it out to where we can see each other and know each other. Yeah. And I was like, that's really positive. And I think that goes, says a lot about our leadership and where our team is and where our culture is. They want to know each other. They want me telling them what to do. They just kind of have gotten to know each other without with being incredibly safe. So it's all kudos to them and everything they're doing. So that's a lot of the off of the field stuff. And, mm -hmm. and all of that sounds fantastic. But when you kind of dissect, you know, what is going on when you're working out, are there any early surprises from people or maybe groups that have done well or better than you thought? So I think... Uh, a good surprise has been a few of our upperclassmen leaders have stepped up through this whole time. They've been really reliable. So we've got to add two captains. So we have CJ Hughes coming back, uh, fifth year senior, obviously going to be three year captain for us, just a phenomenal guy and player and part of the culture change here. And just, he's been great. And we've added a fifth year senior in Ben Hauser at goal so his leadership has been really good for even the young goalies and stuff and he's a master he's getting his nursing masters so he's been helping us a ton and he, he work that that dude sleeps all like he works all night comes to practice from a full night shift so like that's been a great surprise for him being able to make it make time for all of our workouts and then adding alex keckler and brendan pontier as captains has been has been a key for us right now the biggest surprise out of that was not even surprise it was just the way they've handled themselves for four years, the way that they usually you, you add a captain at the end of the last year, we didn't have that. So usually we have three captains in the summer. We didn't have that. I was looking for people to step up. And it's been great to see Pontier and Keckler take the reins socially, take the reins workout-wise, and, and really step up as leaders. I think that's been the best surprise for us so far is that we had two exceptional guys in the senior class starting to develop in, into good leaders. We're here with head coach of the men's lacrosse program at Capital, Don Marzano. And coach, you mentioned that there is a new addition. You know, goal was somewhat of a concern last year just because of the, you know, lineage of goalies that you yeah. had had prior to that. But then you add a fifth year that you're very, very high on in Ben Hauser. So just, I guess, tell us where does he come from and, and just what makes him a favorite to step into that role? So, yeah, with the goal, it's just, it was just youth. We just had young guys. Like, so we graduated TJ Johnson. And like you said before, that was Pombi. We had five, six years of starting goalies with a lot of experience. And in goal, you need experience. And last year we had guys stepping up and it was like, you know, we had Snyder, McInturf, and we had Ferda all playing well. And they are right now too. Uh, ben brings ben, ben Hauser, Benigno Hauser, by the way. He came from <laughs> Illinois Wesleyan. He's a Columbus guy. Um, oddly enough, we go way back, me being a Columbus guy myself. My big break was was 2008. I coached a Hilliard youth lacrosse team, an all-star team at the Hilliard Cup. 
Ben Hauser was a midfielder, like a fifth grade midfielder for me on that team. So I've known Ben since he was a young guy. And then he went to St. Charles. We just always kept in touch. He went to Illinois Wesleyan. And then when he found out that he could get a fifth year, he was already going to be part of our Masters of Nursing. He'd already been accepted in everything. He goes, I would like to play lacrosse too. And I was like, I would like you to as well, Ben. <laughs> so it just came like that. He's just a good guy, good leader, all the goalies. And we added Ryan Pierce this year, a freshman. So we have five goalies on the roster. And Ben just brings a sense of leadership and calming presence to our defense. And some of these young guys just learning some of his routines and stuff. And he's just been doing great. I mean, his, his, his the way he's vocal in cage, and just you just have more experience down there right now to add to the guys that we already have. I just think it's a it's a fun position to watch right now. Fantastic. Now I know last year one of the big bugaboos was the injury bug that kept on coming around. So generally, how's the team's health considering that from last year? And maybe of those that were injured last year that didn't get to see a lot of playing time, who are you really excited to see step it up and, and really increase their PT? So we've been fortunate right now with no injuries. I think part of that is that you are in phase one and two. It's more muscle pools, and our athletic training staff has just been on it. They've been all over it. Uh, you know, Matt, Danielle, Tom, Autumn, Slicer, all those, all, all of them have just been phenomenal with all the athletes getting them out there. Um, so I would say right now the guy that I think that we really got hurt last year early was Dylan Comella. He plays defensive midfield. He's like, you know, listen, D-mid's like – it's like the old linemen of, of lacrosse. They don't get the love, but you, they're the most needed people there. They don't have the stats. They don't have all this stuff. D-mid, he can transition. Dylan Comella's grown tremendously as a, as a freshman till now. When he got hurt last year in our Ohio Wesleyan scrimmage, he was probably the best player on the field that day through the lines. From the 30 to the 30-yard line, he dominated. And that's what we were missing a little bit, clearing presence. So I think Dylan started feeling himself a little bit. And he's healthy because he, he had a... Uh, he hurt his shoulder, his labrum, so he got surgery on it, wasn't with us. He's back, he's healthy, he's in shape. He's a guy that we missed last year in injury that we were like, hey, we should probably have back. And 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 this year he's been as advertising. He's gonna keep getting better. I mean, he's still working on a few things with everybody. I'll never say everybody's the greatest practice player ever, ever. It'll never happen. I'll never even say people string together great practices. <laughs> um, ever. It just won't. There's a standard we have for everybody and 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 right now we gotta get everybody on the same page. But I think Dylan's been been one of those guys that I think coming back right now it just we're a little better with him when he's on his top of the game now i know that there's going to be a lot of first years coming into the program this year just generally speaking are there any that you're really looking forward to see them grow throughout their first year and maybe even participate compete uh, and give some significant time early to tell as far as the projection would go for the season but the the freshman class has stuck, stuck out quite a bit to me uh, work ethic. We have uh, a young midfielder named Spencer Rubel, who's just been a uh, just an absolutely relentless effort guy. Um, I called him out on the first day where he didn't win all his sprints, and I know that I've known one of those kids I've known since like sixth grade, fifth grade. I watched him play an excess amount. I was like, you can't lose. Like, why? Why would you lose the last sprint, or why would you win the last sprint but didn't win the first five? So he took that message to heart to win them all, and he's that kind of athlete. He's still got room to grow and stuff, but he's a really, really tremendously hard worker. Guys like Carson Cott, who came in as an attackman, playing extremely well, showing some really flashy sticks. Guy we've been impressed with, two of them has been Spalding, Mason Spalding, just didn't know he'd come in and finish like that, big kid, and just, just really doing everything, yes sir. And then Hunter Wagner, just he's probably our size, and the kid throws heat. I mean, he just slings that ball, he can shoot the crap out of the ball. I mean, it's just a few of those guys that are sticking out to me right now that just have been really, really doing their job, doing it well. So there's Drew Bolin, Austin Yunichka, like all these guys, Martin Browder, Ian Rashad, they've all been really great workers. They're at everything. They're really dedicated, and I think a lot of that has to go with how they're being led. You know, the upperclassmen show up, so they do. So there's not really a question on whether I should work hard or not. It just happens. Now, they're all rookies. I want to see them play some contact. I want to see them in a scrimmage setting. But as far as what we're throwing at them right now, I think they're handling extremely well, and I am excited. As far as getting minutes and stuff, I, I can project some of them too as well. But that sophomore grade, that we just, I just love where our depth's at, and I think what's really exciting for this year is that last year we graduated such a great group of leaders and and role and, and starters and role players that we're learning right now this fall of who can fill in what role and what team we are right now. So all fall, we're just trying to have an identity. We're different than we were last year. We have CJ coming back as the senior grade, the senior leader from that grade, but right now we're different than we were. 
and we're looking to replace these 10 seniors last year that graduated with with leaders and we're looking to see how we can use them on the field so it's a lot of growing and it's a lot of figuring out what our identity looks like and we got to do that before march talking about first years but that doesn't necessarily just mean players you also have a first year assistant coach on your staff that you welcomed into the program recently so tell us about him and what his contribution will be as you add to a staff that already includes the Alan Rill and uh, McLean Fitzmartin had to throw that in there because if I didn't he would probably let us know yeah we got real here too anyway uh <laughs> now I love my staff uh we got coach real has just been my guy he just he's just he's been with me since like the Hillary Bradley days he just I fire him once a week but he keeps coming back and then um coach Mack obviously he's going to graduate so we're looking for somebody that can be here a while so Alex Gossard is our new hire uh Gossard has been part of my life since 2009. I was, uh, when I was a 25 year old head coach, I got my, my head, first head coaching gig at Hilly Bradley High School. Alex Gossard was a sophomore for me there. That's where I met him. He was a defender for me there. I switched him to attack because he has some of the smoothest hands you'll see in the game of lacrosse that I coached, and it was awesome. And then after two years, it could be the head coach Hilly Bradley with him. I started Wilmington's program. I remember he was my first commitment ever in college coaching. He, was, he went actually visited Wilmington College before I'd even stepped on campus. I took the job. I wasn't hosting no recruits. I remember getting Gossard out of class after I accepted the Wilmington job. Got Gossard out of class at Hillier Bradley and said, hey, you want to go to play college lacrosse for me? He said, in. So before I was even there, I already had one commitment. It was Gossard. So he's just been a guy I've trusted. He trusts me. I trust him. It's just one of these people you want on your, your side. The kid works hard. He's, I mean, could call him a kid. I can't believe he's like 28 or something now. It's like crazy. I didn't know he's that old. He's an old man now. But he, so so in the meantime, he's been coaching Hilly Bradley High School, you know, where we were. Uh, he, he did the head coach there for the last three years. Now he's handling all of our recruiting. He's working club teams. He's working like six days a week. He's doing that grind like I did as a younger coach, and he's just crushing it. He's all over. He works in Cincinnati box lacrosse. He works in Columbus box lacrosse. He's going to Indiana this weekend to recruit. He's just, his motivation and his fire to be a college coach has actually picked up some of my motivation again. Um, as I've been doing it nine years now, it's like you see a guy like that getting into it. You just, you, it's hard to not, it's hard to not feed off his enthusiasm on some of the stuff that I used to love doing that he's killing it at. You just love it. I mean, he's all about it. He's setting up visits for us. He's coming to practice, watching film. He's just been everything I knew he would be. And I think he's going to be a tremendous piece of this program. I really do. And he's going to be one of the, Give it a year, give it two years. He's going to be one of these coaches that's going to have a head coaching job somewhere. Well, we look forward to getting to know Alex Gossard as the newest member of the Cat family of your program. We're talking with head coach Dom Marzano of uh, Capital Men's Lacrosse. And, Coach, the last time that we had spoke on the podcast, life was a little chaotic. And it is still chaotic today for a lot of different reasons, but the one that we focused on were your two little mini lacrosse players at home. But they're not so many anymore, are no, they? No, they're huge. <laughs> they're giants, which is good, because you're a Marzano. You don't, you're not really considered a giant. But these two are monsters. I mean, we started when we when we went into the COVID, obviously, and everybody, everything got canceled a little bit, daycares and everything. It was just I went from prepping to Transylvania the next day, daddy daycare started. And it was such a, you look back at it, it was like the six months. It's going to be the coolest six months I've ever had. During times of that, I was like, oh, not a chance. This is <laughs> wild. I can't believe this is happening to my life. Whose kids are these? They're animals. <laughs> um, but as you grow with them stuff, too, it's just six months that I'll never be able to get back in such an influential time of their life and mine. It was cool. to. It was just cool to just be with them as much as I was. And and the, now, looking six months later, I'm just tired. I'm just really tired. Like, that's where I think I got out of the most. Everybody else, like, I got so much time. I was like, I've never had less. Like, two little guys expect you to do everything for them. Wrestle daddy. Let's go on a walk. Go on a park. It's like, wife got me an Apple Watch so I could tell time not pull my phone out because the boys were hiding it. <laughs> guess where I was walking through my house. I wouldn't even leave the house on some days. I was My watch told me I walked five and a half miles. <laughs> I was hitting 11,000 steps just watching the kids. It was it's so if that's any context of how my life is it's total chaos majority of the time but it's a good chaos because most of the time they're probably carrying a lacrosse stick they're throwing a ball there's something sports related going on even if it's wrestling maybe i mean you would think okay however there's two of them 
<laughs> I see all these other coaches having the time of their lives with their their toddlers. Oh yeah, oh, going out and throwing. That turns into a that turns into a weapon. So, so part of it is I'm naturally competitive, so I understand why they fight. I get it. You know, the ball's there, I should win it. Well, they fight each other. And it just turned into them early when I was trying to like, hey, let's play. It just turned into them hitting each other with it. And then hit me with it. And then hitting something else with it. So we've actually put the sticks away for a bit until they understand it. That's not appropriate. So every time they love lacrosse, they'll watch it. They'll get outside, they'll get a ball, they'll get in their stick. We'll try to play a little bit now, but it's usually about five, six minutes since until it turns into a, a brawl. So <laughs> we keep it like soccer balls, maybe. <laughs> So we're, we're talking about coaches twin. Now they're two, correct? Two and a half. Two and a half. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that there are people out here listening, chuckling, laughing, and also probably saying, it doesn't get any better as they age. It's just going to get more fierce. Well, yeah. So like Grice, our baseball coach has twins. And they're like six or seven, maybe eight. He just asks me all the time, since I've had them, how's it going? And laughing, <laughs> knowing my answer is not what I'm telling him. It's great. He goes, just wait till it's not. So Grice is sitting here. He's not very motivating. <laughs> so he's like, oh, just worry, man. You got two more. He literally, he said, you got two more years like this. But then once they get to kindergarten, you're good to go. It's smooth sailing. I was like, all right, so two more years. So there's never been a lot of, it's just been a lot of, oh, you got twins right now. A lot of that. I don't, I don't hear congrats. I don't hear nothing. <laughs> They're like, how do you do it? I'm like, I'm not sure. Yeah. Got a great wife that can handle a lot of it. A little bit more patient than myself. But in, in, in the end of it, I can make fun of them all I want. It has been great. It has been great to be with them all the time. And having my weekends back has been awesome. Like, just between in 2019, between our lacrosse season and then me working with the PLL that went to September, like, I was gone, like, almost every weekend. So, like, to have my weekends back has been really eye-opening. It's been great. Uh, much as as tired as I am, they, they just don't like to sleep. But I never did either, so that's my fault. So it, it's been really cool to just be able to hang out with them so much. So for everybody out there that's thinking about having kids, this is your warning. Just right. heed the warning. You might have two at once. <laughs> yeah, that was not uh, that was not part of the plan. It, but, it wasn't, but we love Max. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? he was baby B. They yeah. just tell you baby A, baby B. Gotcha. So Max was baby B, so I apologize. But <laughs> 20 so. years from now, he'll be listening to this, and he'll make you remember. For what this. they're doing to us right now yeah. uh, during the nighttime, like, Gotcha, I woke up the other day with baby in my bed and got kicked in the face. That's how I woke up. They were wrestling. Sounds about right. In the bed. I just took a foot to the mouth. Sounds about right, Ben. So as chaotic as life actually is right now, uh, for those that are, like, freaking out and going, like, I'm never having kids, I'm never having kids, give us something that maybe is something that you use to unwind a little bit or maybe just what Don Marzano does in his me time. So I'm, I'm a... I, I don't have time for video games. I could crush video games with the best of them. I just don't have time for them anymore to really sink into like a creative player. I'm a creative player guy. NBA 2K. Obviously, like I'm a six foot five point guard. That works. Naturally. That works. Yeah. Well, I started that like six months ago and I haven't been able to finish it. So, in the meantime, when we lost sports, guys, you're very aware of what I've been doing. It's, I got it into whether I'm losing my mind. My wife said I was in middle life, midlife crisis. I miss sports. I started getting a little bit into cards again and collecting sports sports cards so i saw this mike trout card sell for 3.8 million dollars i was like i'm gonna go look at my cards again and you'd already been on this for a while so i have actually been diving into a little bit more of of card collecting believe it or not and then uh just working on getting my master's in school administration have been taking most of the free time i but dialed back a little bit on the card collecting researching but it still fascinates me because you when you pull out all your old cards from when you're like i've been saving these things since i'm like 30 years from like 30 years ago so I have like a, all these cards, and you crushed my dreams on some of them. Like these cards are this. I have a Bernie Kosar action pack, chrome. Look, I'm like this got to be. I've kept this thing in the most mint condition it could be in since I was like eight. And then you look it up; it's like a dollar. I'm like totally deflated. It's Bernie Kosar. It's what How can you it believe be? it to be worth. <laughs> I believe it to be worth a million, and I'm not going to sell it for less than that. It's a Bernie Kosar action pack card. How could it not be worth more? So I'm shocked. But that's what I've been doing with my time and getting my master's degree. Well, I will love to keep on feeding that fire, but also, also yeah, how you're pulling it all off, I'm not sure. But we wish you the best of luck in that. We also Thanks. wish you the best of luck in surviving two twins and, you know, being a great husband because that in itself is challenging as well. Yeah. And then there's the team. 
which is probably the vacation of it all right now. Yep, practice. <laughs> you look at practice. Way that we practiced the other day, no, that was not a vacation. Today, a little bit more optimism going to it. Uh, you know, we got another day to play in 68 degree weather in November in Ohio, so I'm, I'm jacked up for it. Cap fam, it's time for another edition of our Alumni Spotlight on the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. In this edition, we're going to meet a four-time track and field All-American from the class of 2009 at the start-finish line. You knew her as Lizzie Stanton. We welcome to the program Lizzie Finnegan now. And Lizzie, welcome to the program. Your resume is really extensive. And as we mentioned, you're a four-time All-American. You hold the record for the outdoor long jump. You graduated as the record holder in the indoor triple jump, and you hold five different top ten marks in the indoor circuit and three more on the outdoor side between jumps and sprints. So there's the rundown. Now, you went through your high school career and uh, early in your time at Capitol. How did you navigate selecting what events to compete in and specialize when it came to track? For track, I did... Track's a long day, so if I'm going to be out there, I said, let me try a little bit of everything, and I started with just the sprints. In high school, I actually did the 800 and the 4x8, and then I started to uh, say, uh, that was a little too long for me, so let me try something else, and I got into jumps. Um, I tried throws at one point. That obviously didn't stick, <laughs> but... Uh, I figure if I'm going to be out here for 11 to 12 hours, let me just be busy, and that's what I did. Now, can you take us through a, a brief rundown of how success in sprinting can translate into success in jumping events? Oh, so simple physics, you know, the object in motion, uh, running fast down the runway for jumps, obviously excels me further into the pit so having that base with the sprints and running definitely translated to the runway and helping me get up in the air and get far jump far now what came first did they try you out in jumps and they realized you were really fast or were you really fast and they were like hey let's try her out in jumps i think uh the speed came and then uh body mechanics, jumping, like, oh, I jumped with, uh, cheerleading is where I started with sports, and I could jump high with that, so we decided to take it to the runway. And we're going to get into that, too, because it's a very non-traditional path to a four-time All-American there. So <laughs> yes. before we do, uh, you know, you came to Capitol in 2005, and before you began to break out and make waves on a national scale, uh, you as a young crusader, who were some of the upperclassmen that you looked up to and kind of guided you along your way? Well, uh, Rachel Behrens, um, she actually was a, a coach here at Capitol, but during my uh, my campus visit she was there and I took a hold to her uh, Erica Basinger she was on the 4 by one team uh, Abby Skoda we all just kind of had a connection all clicked and I looked up to them and wanted to uh, they were on a national uh, search trying to get for the 4 by one so I just kind of clinged to them and wanted to make sure that I made it there and made it to the national stage now, how do you remember those first years as a, as a student athlete, growing as a person, growing as an athlete, and then balancing that student aspect along with all of that? So being uh, a college student on my own, uh, trying to just navigate being, meeting new people and uh, the area. I'm originally from Cincinnati, so coming up to Columbus was a new experience. I hadn't been away from home for an extended period so just getting used to that and I'm really close with my family so uh, just having that homesick feeling at first but I got acclimated really well the track team of course helped because we were always together it became a family real quick and uh, I got comfortable with the team and comfortable with the head coach Fred Barron's like he took us all under his wing and made sure we had whatever we needed so that was a great start to my career and a great start to being a college athlete. We're talking with Lizzie Stanton Finnegan from the class of 2009. 
and, and Lizzie, let's even go a little bit further. Your junior year comes along. Was there a big difference in either your approach, your training regimen, or something else that helped you crank it up a notch to the point where you became competitive on a national level? <laughs> uh, for a, far as jumps, uh, Captain Cannon's jump crew, Reggie Cannon, the jumps coach who was here during my tenure, um, he doesn't take slacking. Like, we, we couldn't slack off. So, um, pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, and helping me grow as an athlete. Um, long and triple jump weren't something that was – triple jump wasn't prevalent in the high schools uh, for Ohio. So, learning a new event and learning how to uh, compete on the co collegiate level – I was working at it, working at it, and junior year, it just all came together. Um, I was in the, our four by one team was in the hunt for uh, a spot, both my senior and sophomore years, but it all just came together that junior year. We got the right team, we put the right people in the right places, and we made it happen. Now in 2008, you qualified to go to nationals in three different events between outdoor and indoor seasons. You first qualified for the indoor long jump. When you realized that you had punched your ticket, what was your reaction? <laughs> uh, all kind of things. Scared, like, could I compete with the big dogs on the national level? Was it a fluke? Was it the wind? All these things go through your mind. And then realizing, okay, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I got good coaches. I've... I've been uh, I've been here. I'm competing against some of the people that I just competed against two weeks ago. So I knew I knew my competition. I knew the field, and just settling into okay, this is it. This is what we've been working for all season. So just having that epiphany and that aha moment of we got this. <laughs> now you walked away with the first of your four All American honors after placing sixth nationally in the long jump. What do you remember out of that experience, especially being named an All-American for the first time? Uh, I believe my first two jumps were fouls. <laughs> so <laughs> to get a jump, get a mark, and go to finals was like, whew. <laughs> then to actually know, like, okay, all right, I passed this person coming in eighth I believe all right I passed one person I can do this I can do this pass another person and ending up sixth in the nation uh, just an incredible feeling again everything coming together and in the right place at the right time it was great is there a point where you're like mid-flight and you're like yep that was a good one or nope that wasn't so great is that something that you can realize that quickly <laughs> yes you can feel you can feel if you completely miss the board or if you hit the board and or you're over like you can feel all those things and you know like oh man and you can feel you can feel it mid-jump like okay this is it like I'm hanging I got some hang time I'm in the air for a while I know what to do with coming together bringing my feet together so you feel it. You know it. <laughs> you can definitely tell that I have not done this thing before, so i got to rely on your expertise here. Now, now again, you walked away, uh, well, twice more later in the year you qualified for nationals, uh, again in the long jump, and then you were a member of the 4x100 relay team. How did you balance training and keeping focus in either event going into nationals considering their differences? So I always say... Uh, there's a relay within the relay so because I do so many different I did so many different events my team kept me on track like I would have my sprint shoes at the end of the runway to switch out that my teammates would have my clothes in one corner just to make sure that I'm where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there so my team kept me accountable, kept me on track for practicing what I needed to practice. Um, leaving from relay practice to go to jump practice, they kept me on track and kept me um, keeping up with both events. So I thank them. I thank my uh, relay team that year and all the years. Um, and 
specifically that relay team we call that the chin by the hairs on our chinny chin weekend so we just squeaked into um, the ninth spot for finals for the four by one and then again I just squeaked into um, placing for long jump so that was the chinny chin weekend <laughs> we, we, so I remember that very appropriately named and it, then you took you know not only podium or you you won all american honors and then you took podium in the four by 100 event placing third nationally how did the view look from that slightly elevated place <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that my first wow like that year our team had been the only ohio team to break 46 um 46 seconds and then I believe we finished um, 46.96, I believe. And um, just wow, like we, it all comes together. The four by one relay, you don't have to have the four fastest, but if you have the four fast or four fast people doing everything right at the right moment, it all comes together. So there you go. we're talking with from the class of 2009, Lizzie Stanton Finnegan and Lizzie, let's go backward a little bit more. Um, you came to Capitol from Cincinnati, you had said. Tell us a little bit about your hometown, your high school, and your very untraditional way to finding the track. <laughs> so hometown, Cincinnati, born and raised. Um, I lived on the uh, northwest side, like the Coleraine area. I went to Withrow High School, which is a big powerhouse track school. Uh, they were three-peat national champions, or not national, but state champions, um, uh, just these, uh, 2010, 11, and 12, I believe, and then they came back and did it again two years ago, so big sports school, but originally, I got into sports with cheerleading. At eight years old, I started cheering. I was a competition cheerleader. I went through all the AAU teams. I cheered in high school, competition cheerleader through high school. Our high school was um, sixth in the state for uh, cheerleading. So I got into it that way. I had a partial scholarship to Miami Oxford. The track coach, Fred Barons, kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. I was like, okay, let me go check out this school and immediately first walk on campus I loved it fell in love with Capitol and my deciding factor was if I made the cheerleading team that I would go to Capitol and I made the cheerleading team and I started my career at Capitol um, there were points when I was cheering for a basketball game checking into the long jump pit in my cheerleading uniform finishing out the game coming back and doing my first couple jumps and uh, cheerleading top and track bottoms <laughs> so I did them both throughout uh, unfortunately I ended up getting a, a hand injury and I knew it was time to decide on such a the collegiate level I needed to focus on one thing and I chose track and the rest is history <laughs> now I'm assuming that the cheerleading attire is not good for running down the pit that probably was not a good uh, fit for the for the long run there it was not but i had to do what i had to do to make it happen <laughs> so you you went now again i want i'm just enamored by the combination of cheer and track so how many of your competition cheerleading teammates made their way onto another nationally ranked or state ranked team is that the norm down there or is that it, just something unique to you honestly there were from high school there were a few different um girls that went from cheerleading to track but again you have to make that you have to make that choice once you get on the collegiate level and some of them chose track and some of them stuck with cheerleading but I honestly I've never seen it as a coach I coach track as well and as a coach the combination I've never seen it again but for my high school uh, it was a few of us that have done it so <laughs> very interesting and unique did you play any other sports while you were growing up I did my fall was pretty busy so I did cheerleading so football cheerleading um, cross-country and volleyball Volleyball is my second love. Um, 
I still play volleyball um, rec teams and stuff throughout um, so fall cheerleading track cross country and then spring was still cheerleading and um, track you were incredibly busy then. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so let's talk about where you are now. Do you, what's your, you know, do you have family that are in the area? And where are you currently employed? I am uh, still a Cincinnati native. I commute uh, from Cincinnati to here in Columbus as a firefighter for the Columbus Division of Fire. Um, so I've been on the fire department for almost four years now. Uh, and at this current time, I'm an instructor for our Columbus Fire Cadet Program, which is a mentor slash intern internship for the fire department. So I instruct 20, 27 or so young adults in the fire service. So giving them intro to emergency medical services, our fire one and two cards, they get, of course, first aid and CPR, and just helping them navigate through life. A lot of them just graduated in uh, May, so no life experiences, haven't done too much in the work field, but just introducing them to the fire service where uh, originally they wouldn't have that opportunity. Now, you mentioned that this is kind of an internship program. So how long is the program, and what is the natural next step for those that make it through that program? It's a 24-month program. Um, we kind of mirror our recruit department and our, um, our academy and how they do things. So if the academy does a, a subject for 10 weeks, well, then we'll up it to 20 weeks or 22 weeks and give them a slower, um, more intricate path for learning EMS or learning some of the fire ops and stuff. So. Uh, we try to stretch it out and let them learn. They can actually study the material and learn the material instead of having it all just thrown at them at a real fast pace to kind of get ready for the street. The next natural progression of it, they would take the Columbus Civil Service exam to uh, go start the process to become a Columbus firefighter. If they choose to stay with Columbus, then they have that option, and if not, they can go to another department. We have students from the first class, the first cadet class, they work for Worthington and Jackson, and they're working for private ambulance services at this time while they're in the waiting process of getting on with Columbus. Fantastic. Now, you proudly serve as a member of the Columbus Fire Department. Tell us what made you turn to the CFD and just maybe a little bit of a history of your career up to this point. So, Firefighting, uh, unfortunately, my family had a fire, and the firefighters that came, they were so helpful and so considerate, and I saw that, and I saw the the feeling that they gave my family, and I said, one day I want to do that for someone else. I want to be that person for someone else. And so I chased that dream of being a firefighter. At one point, I took... Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton, um, Indianapolis, Louisville, who was ever in the 200-mile radius of Cincinnati, I was taking their tests, and I um, I've ended up in Columbus because someone quit the academy, and I was an alternate on the list, and so they called me on a Wednesday and said, can you be here on a Monday? And I said, I will be there. And I showed up and I am so grateful for the opportunity to be on the department. And you've not just always been an instructor, you've been on the rig, you've been mm -hmm. in the burning buildings, holding the line, like tell us a little bit about that kind of experience. Yeah, so right out of the academy, I was at Station 15s, which is the first in for capital. So it kind of came around full circle that I was at the fire station that serves my college, uh, which is a cool feeling. Uh, you know, I've been on a couple runs here at Capitol when I was at Station 15. So that was a cool experience. That Darn was... those kids in their hot plates. <laughs> and their microwave popcorn, <laughs> yes. Yes, setting off the fire alarm. So uh, it was, again, coming around full circle that I'm at the fire station that is the first in for my college, um, for my university. 
so that was great uh, I've been I was at 15s for seven months or so and then I went to station 16s which is at Weber and McGuffey and then I made my way to the station I'm currently assigned now which is 18s 18th house is on Cleveland and um, 15th and it's one of the fourth or fifth busiest houses in the city uh, so I got I, I get a lot of experience there I get a lot of we say good calls but other for other people we're seeing them at their worst but it, it's a good experience I get a, um, some good fires and good reps so I've, I've seen a lot of things um, with good and bad but just again that feeling of helping someone on their worst day being that relief for them and being that uh, being that person that they can just say thank you to now we've been told and, and you kind of confirmed with us that you're one of very very few black women serving in the Columbus Fire Department talk to us about what that's like you know choosing a life of service as a black woman in the community that you've kind of tagged as your second home and especially one that you know traditionally has been dominated by white men yes yeah, so columbus has about 1600 firefighters there are about 37 women and there are six african-american women on the department uh, I could say if Columbus has a black eye, for the Columbus fire has a black eye, that would be it as far as the minority numbers. Males are African-American females and females in general. Um, but coming on, that was one of the things that I said I wanted to help change and, and help grow. So I believe me working with the cadet program and being in the position that I am, that I'm succeeding in that goal and um, making that happen. So when I came on, there were uh, five females, five African-American females, one retired, and then these two just graduated the academy um, back in August. So they're added on. There's six females in um, the cadet program, and hopefully they go through the process and they'll be on. So however I can kind of clean up that black eye for the department. Uh, I, I'm trying and I'm putting my best foot forward to make it happen to show other little girls and little black girls that, hey, this is a job we can do. Because predominantly when something happens and someone calls, it is just white men, white men showing up. And so I've always tried to say, I want to be out on the street and I want to be in, in, in the inner city to make sure that other young girls see me and see that hey like I can do that that was one of the big things um, I wanted to try to make happen when I came on the department and for you professionally what's next the mentor program seems to be working in, in an incredibly uh, successful way um, and you're enjoying it but is there more that you would like to accomplish what's a life goal or maybe a short-term goal for you so my end game with the department is the canine arson unit um, with columbus we have so many different avenues and so many different things to pursue but that's my end game and uh, my short term would be a paramedic school going to be a paramedic and then after that would be an officer being a lieutenant so those are my short-term goals within the next five to seven years making those happen and then arson k9 would be my ultimate end game is where i would like to retire from with the department we certainly hope and, and are confident that you will be making it there <laughs> when it is the right time so we're talking with lizzie stanton finnegan from the class of 2009 from the track and field program and we're going to put you on the hot seat here lizzie uh, right. these are what we call our sprints so to say and for the quick hitter uh, I like questions it, I like it. all right so uh, let's start with some of your favorite sports teams Anything Cincinnati, of course, who day? I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fans fan. It's tough sometimes, but we're making it. We'll get we'll get there. Um, but anything Cincinnati, I love my my hometown teams. Favorite athlete of all time? Shaquille O'Neal, favorite athlete. Okay, mm -hmm. now I don't know if this is gonna parlay, but what is your favorite sports movie? Oh, this is a tough one. I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, 
any given Sunday, like Guilty Pleasure is like my favorite sports movie. It's a okay. good movie. <laughs> I thought you were going to go Blue Chips with Shaquille O'Neal there, no, but okay. No. <laughs> All right. How about some of your favorite musical artists? My favorite musical artist all time i go with uh whitney houston i i can listen to her all the time uh, whitney houston and michael jackson like i could play those two in the car and be good <laughs> all right now if you could roll up in a sports car a monster truck or a fire truck which one would you pick i'm gonna roll up in a nice red fire truck and <laughs> i would be the tillerman on the fire truck so that's the person that drives the uh trailer side of the truck so that would be my ultimate pull-up. <laughs> okay. If you're going to pull it up into somewhere in Columbus that you like to eat, what would your recommendation be? Ooh, so that's a good one. I think um, my favorite place right now is Willoughby Sovage, um, and they, they serve in the Hills Market. Um, I just kind of became like a pescatarian, a vegetarian, so they make really good... Um, all natural vegan food and it's really good so i think that's like my favorite place right now all right how about the teammate that you miss the most Ooh, i've had some great teammates um i will say um jeremy malky was uh he was on the guy side of the sprints team uh he played football here but he just passed um passed away and to just have one more race with them, one more team day with them would be a, a, a great memory, and I would could only ask for it one more time, you know? Fair enough. Now, is there a teammate that, for better or for worse, you'll never be able to forget, and why? I would say Jessica Starks. That was, that's my best friend, and um, we went – through the four by one together and that team and just being leaders on the team and just growing as sisters I think um that's better for worse if I had to choose like okay I'm rolling with Jess that's my girl and we have a little thing so I was Capitals first um female All-American and she made five-time All-American. So she jabs at me for being for having one more. But I'm like, you can have as many as you want. I was the first. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take that <laughs> you away from me. can't take that away from me. You Excellent. can have as many as you want. Okay, very good. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go academic on you. What was your favorite course that you took here at Capitol? Um, so we had um, an elective, and I can't remember the exact name of it. But um, it was a dance, maybe, like line dancing or something. Um, but Court Hamilton taught the course. Um, I think it might have been group sports. I think that might have been the name of the course. But I would, I would, I would have to say that was my favorite because we just danced all day. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, on the flip side of that, what was your least favorite? Oh, tough. Anatomy and physiology, too was like uh anatomy and physiology too and then possibly kinesiology like they were tough courses yeah those don't sound fun (laughs) yeah they were tough courses so yes i would have to go with those two okay now did you have a favorite place on capitol's campus that you'd like to visit or maybe even today return to uh, the Crew Club, which is now Maine and something, I can't remember the new name of it, but the Crew Club, we spent a lot of time in the Crew Club studying and just hanging out and just being friends, just hanging out in the Crew Club, and we got some good food. Okay. <laughs> so. Now, you told me that you compete in the alumni event nearly every year, so mm-hmm. how's that 60 or 100 time looking today? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, it's not too shabby. I still keep up with it. Um, I compete in the alumni meet, and that's kind of my uh, precursor for how I'm going to do for the police and fire games. And so I compete in those as well. Um, last year, I did the Ohio games and the and the U.S. games, and this year was slated for the Canadian American uh, games, but because of COVID-19, everything's canceled. The World Games for 2021 are canceled. So I'm hoping that I can get some competitions in and get ready for that within the next 
few months or so. Way to bury the lead there. That, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, we got to take advantage of that transition. And just before we get into our last question, ask you about this. So you're not done. You're an athlete. I'm not done. And, no. and so tell us what the, the fire, the fire games, is that what they're called? The so police and fire games. Police and so fire games. So they're basically the Olympics for police and fire. Okay. Um, we know that there's a friendly rivalry between you guys. So. Yes. So... <laughs> Um, the Ohio games are held in Canton, Ohio, and they have uh, anything from track and field to three-on-three uh, -three basketball to cornhole. So they have all these different competitions and um, going against the uh, police, and they do police, sheriff, um, correctional officers, anyone in the public service kind of realm. Um, and Ohio is uh, in Canton, and then the U.S. Games are held in San Diego. Uh, the World Games were supposed to be in the Netherlands next year, so I'm really bummed about that. Uh, I couldn't wait to see the tulip fields. Uh, <laughs> and um, so, it's again, it's basically the Olympics for police and fire. And in the World Games, they offer, I think, 72 sports. So anything you can think of. Basket weaving might be one of them. <laughs> but anything you can think of where you're competing against someone, they have it. All right. Well, we can't wait to hear the next result whenever the next games are. But we're going to wrap this up with something a little bit more sentimental and just ask if you had a piece of advice that you could give a current or future capital student, what would that be? I would say take advantage of being in a big city but having the close contact of um, this small crusader family you know you're in a big city you're close to ohio state but you have so many people at your uh, so many resources here and your professors will give you their home cell phone number like you have that close contact and close connection so take advantage of those experiences and those uh, and networking experiences because capital the capital family i can come back and reach out to anyone and they'll be there you have that close connection so um i think that's my number one thing take it take advantage of being in a big town but in such a close family superb advice and we're really glad that we got to sit down with you lizzie and talk a little bit about your your past your your present and where you're going to be heading here with uh, with your future in the columbus fire department so thank you so much for your time and we wish you the best of luck in all that you are doing thank you thank you i appreciate it all right we've been talking with lizzie stanton finnegan from the class of 2009 and four-time all-american on the capital women's track and field team stick around as we move forward on this edition of forward Capital Crusaders. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. We'd like to thank our guests today, Dixie Jeffers, Dom Marzano, and All-American Lizzie Stanton Finnegan, Class of 2009. If you would like to listen to any of our past episodes, hit up our website, athletics.capital.edu, or find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast, and then subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday, November 24th, when we talk about what we're thankful for with Coach Jeffers, another member of the coaching staff, and Shane Fouch of Cap Football, Class of 1998. Get up to the minute information by following Cap Athletics on social media too. We're on Instagram and Twitter as at Cap Crusaders and on Facebook if you search Capital University Athletics. Don't forget to renew your vow by retaking the pledge at athletics.capital.edu slash pledge. Wash your hands, maintain your distance, keep your group small, and wear your mask. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Cap fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Ryan Gasser.